0: Welcome to The Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Hey, guys. Soccer Dan makes a returning appearance.
1: Nice to come off the bench. There you
0: go. Perfect. You're the thank first. You to thank you,
1: Anthony, for taking the day off. There you go. And too hard this week.
0: Special guest host, our second out-of-state guest host, uh one of my closest friends one of the best soccer coaches i know one of the biggest arsenal fans i know mr fields brown hello everybody how I'm are you man
2: second, not only second person from out of state but second person i was chosen second in my family so i'm the second person in the brown family to come on the show but and that's because aiden, right. aiden that's because aiden doesn't uh, talk yet if aiden could talk i would be third definitely
0: <laughs> uh good to have you on fields Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So this week, uh, Dan, Duane, and I were at a camp. We had a camp. We had our travel camp this week at Middletown Village. Uh, How did you enjoy the camp, Dan?
1: It was great. I love when I can wake up first thing in the morning and be wet 15 minutes later. Soaking wet, head to toe. That's right. whether it was a dew or delaware's humidity or rain it is, it's awesome like it keeps my skin nice and dry and it's it's camps are awesome camps are what i live for all those kids that just can't wait to get out there and, and play hard all day every day every single one of them
0: we had a, we had a blast i think the, the fun part was the end of the camp where we got to scrimmage and we got to see a lot of really competitive games, a lot of girls versus boys games. And then a lot of the other games we had in general were, were fantastic. And the kids were tired. I mean, by the end of, by the end of the week, I think we saw some of the kids were starting to get, get tired, which is, which is good. It's what we want. It's almost our preseason. Uh, We'll, we'll use it as that. Right.
3: Definitely had a preseason feel to it. The kids, a lot of them, it was their first time being out, you know, consecutively, like having, multiple nights of training or days of training. So it was good to have them out getting back in the flow with things.
0: For sure. And then the other thing that happened last weekend was our 08 girls and our 04 boys had tournaments, uh, two different tournaments. So the 08 girls went up to Pennsylvania and competed in the Penn fusion summer classic, um, played some really good competition. It was a good experience. I'm, I'm looking forward to that group playing 11 v 11. I think that they're, they're going to do well. Our 4 boys had a similar experience in New Jersey. Rec registration is up and running. Make sure you sign up uh, on our website, DelawareUnion.com. Check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Delaware Union. Hit, hit us up on Instagram, Delaware Union Soccer. Twitter, at the Union Soccer. Dan, did you get any more likes on your Instagram?
1: I don't know. How do I check that?
0: You have to open the Instagram <laughs> app. Let me look. I'll give you an update right now. <laughs> we're getting a live uh, we're getting a live update from soccer day in 302 the reason one of the reasons why fields is on this podcast is because fields works at a club in colorado called fc boulder uh, right fields would you say that fc boulder is one of the largest clubs in colorado i'd say it's probably like the top
2: five i would say um obviously we have a, a couple of giants and then some some more larger clubs um, in the Metro Denver area, but kind of tucked away.
0: Um, yeah, I'd say probably in the top five, six sizes clubs. Now, one of the cool things I, I think I, one of the cool things about Fields in general is that he's worked at a couple at many clubs, but the last couple clubs that he's worked at have been have ranged in sizes. So, what do you think? Do you think there's a big difference between working at a small club and and then a big club, or is it pretty much all the same? Um, I think you can find similar similarities in between larger
2: clubs and, and, and smaller clubs. Um, I think obviously a small club, you get an opportunity to be um, know your, your membership and to know your staff well, um, to see people on a regular basis. Um, you know, you, you think about the, the phrase, right. More money, more problems. I mean, I think the larger clubs get the more issues that come around. Um, you know, you lose that connection, you, you lose that, um, kind of family feel that you can create and have in a smaller club. Um, and I think that's uh, out here. I think that's, you know, I haven't seen too many clubs that were at sizes that maybe you could see, um, you know, when living in Tennessee or Georgia, um, it sounds like even for you guys with, with Delaware union, you get an opportunity um, to, to develop something and have a, a culture amongst your staff and your players that, is different. And I think too, just even logistics now stepping into a different role of operations, which is something new to me. um, But definitely something that is challenging once you you start to get bigger. Like, for example, this year, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, we're having to to rent more facilities uh, because of restrictions, the number of people that can be on the field at a time. Um, So, you know, things that you didn't have to worry about when you had, you know, three, four hundred players. But when you have Nine hundred thousand, twelve hundred players. You're starting to really struggle to to fit everybody where they need to be, and and then lastly, you just lose kind of, um, you know, uh, a feel to it. I would say like transparency of of working at a larger club. You sometimes have the teams and players that feel a little bit lost in the mix. Kind of like going to a small campus for right. a, a university um, to a large university. You, you know, you're just a number. You're just a person coming through. So those are the things I've I've noticed and. Um, in my time working at different size clubs.
0: I think that's important. I mean, that's what we like about Delaware union where we're small enough that we get to know everybody. So, or what we normally say is that, you know, while we might not, while from a coaching staff, we might not know every single player in our club. We want all of our players to know our entire coaching staff. So for example, if Dan stepped into one of my games for my 08 girls, uh, None of those girls would 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 think anything different other than oh it's Coach Dan is coming into the game or practice same thing with Dwayne and one of the things that we that Fields and I had talked about before for almost a number of years was what FC Boulder was doing at their juniors program which is something we somewhat started now where we rebranded our U9 and U10 program as a juniors program really to offer a have the ability to have a dedicated person, which will be Anthony for us at Delaware union to be with uh, the U9 and U10 boys and girls and and be able to it kind of give them a lot of attention, which they need because at those two, those two age groups are critical. If at those two age groups, we don't have retention later on, then that becomes difficult for your club to grow as you get older, because again, you move up from 77 to 99 to then to level 11 v 11. So, so you had that role as well. Yep. I
2: um, actually, I missed that. That's been, that was probably my, in the last, you know, since moving to Colorado five years ago, I think that's the role I've enjoyed the most since coming out here. Um, chance to work with an, an age of players that are very influential, um, very important. Um, I think it, it's, it, it'd be interesting going from a U-19 boys training session into a overseeing a group of U-9 and U-10 year olds, um, boys and girls. Um, but it's, it's kind of fun because I think it allows you a chance to, to, to be around the game at a really fledgling stage and, and seeing kids enjoy being on the field. But then also they're starting to kind of turn that corner or at least want to be um, you know a, a competitive player as they get older so they're starting to kind of really push themselves and want to be around um, soccer a bit more um, but yeah that's a we've got a, a new person in that role here and um, I think same Sean I think Sean is going to be fantastic a um, little bit younger um, former professional player but same desire uh, to, to bring it and the one thing like I think what you guys are trying to do now with putting anthony there i don't know anthony but from hearing you talk about him and think about where you guys want to go with the club is even though they're nine and ten making a professional feel to to the atmosphere um in our club right now we have kind of two entry points the state doesn't recognize competitive soccer to u11 um so at u11 we have two programs that players are they're either in our academy which is a uh, 10 months year long kind of commitment um, which is a little bit more higher price point. We put them in the indoor facility in the winter. They train three days a week, basically again, nine and a half months out of the year, uh, 10 months out of the year. And then we have our competitive program, which the competitive program is two days a week. You have an optional session you can jump into if you want to jump into you no, know, you know it's kind of two designated seasons. So, you know, August to November, big break right. come back early february go to may so kind of more your traditional um but even with our juniors players we're starting to you know we, we hope that they stay stay you said the big word was retention but then we hope that you develop um the players that want to be in your academy but at worst players that are already used to the two days a week with an optional third session uh into your competitive program
0: so yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're building lifelong fans of the game. I mean, that's what yep. you – Yeah, we have, a,
2: we have a quote, and, and it's kind of something that when the club was uh, formed and or reformed in 2012, it was soccer for life, which I thought was kind of a cheesy <laughs> cheesy mantra. But the more that I'm around it and the more that I've talked to people that have been here during that time, it's what you just said, right? I mean, you, you want to develop that care for the game. And fantastic yeah. part about coming to Boulder as well as um, – just the location and, and the, the city itself is the main soccer complex that, um, the city owns is tucked right against the flat irons. Um, so, um, those are the two huge, like really descriptive mountain ranges right against the edge. And, but as adults, they have adult leagues, they have like five different adult leagues that are, you know, over 40 or, um, you know, A league and B league and, and coed league. So, that kind of is something I guess that's here in the community. It's a very fitness focused community, but at the same time, that's I think that's the idea is, you know,
0: lifelong soccer, which is just cool. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's something that that I that I dig about FC Boulder in general and similar to Delaware Union, where you have a a culture, you have a core value that you're really following and that's and we've 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 made we made a big focus of that over the last five years to to really stick to that as well. So do you think that there's a difference between considering you've coached now in the – we consider Midwest, West Coast, that that side of the country? Don't tell
2: Kelly. She didn't tell you that she was from the West Coast? She thinks Colorado is part of the West Coast. Is it because because it's the far West? It's the far West? Yeah. Yeah. She forgets about the state. There's three more states you have to drive entirely through to touch the ocean. So don't tell her that. Um, (laughs) I I like to remind her that, I mean, I'm a little bit of a – everyone loves where they're from for the most part and i love north carolina and when i think about being on the coast i could be at the beach in two hours two hours from here i'm just getting into the thick of the rocky mountains i am not even through colorado then utah then nevada and then you have to get to california so we are a long ways away from being anywhere on the west coast but um (laughs) i think they call it frontier i think that would be like that'd be my my word for it we're not in the west um but no you're right i mean it's um it, it's a different, it's a different vibe out here. Um, the, the play, you know, the, the people out here, the lifestyle out here is, is unique. Um, but I, d- I do think that um, in noticing the players um, in the, in the club setups um, you have a huge influence from the true West coast of, of California. Um, obviously that's been the one area I think is just the Republic of California, where they call it themselves. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a monster. Um, I thought, you know, South Texas and North Texas and, um, New York and Pennsylvania, these other, you know, historical meccas of, of youth soccer, California is incredible is what they have, but that kind of setup and professionalism that they had 30, 40, 50 years ago has made its way in, in infiltrated the rest of the West region. Um, Definitely the West region, I think, is probably top to bottom, the strongest of the four. Um, although every time we go – I'm sure Kelly talked about this you know, months ago or weeks ago when she was on. But, like, anytime we go to ODP events, um, in, you get the best players from each region, and it's still, it's still very, very competitive. But I think on a club level, um, the consistency from region four
0: um, across the board is, is, is pretty impressive. Do you, think that, do you think that there's a difference between the, the style of player – that you maybe find in the East Coast? Maybe from what you, you experienced in Georgia or in North Carolina or in, in Tennessee? Um, I think there's more.
2: I, I mean, obviously, you guys are what Region 1, right? So you go and you th- – is that Region 1? Yeah, Region yeah. 1. So, I mean, you have – each each region has its states that are – um, extremely, you know, technical based. Like states that are going to be, or their clubs are going to be those. Um, you have their clubs are going to be the, you know, the gritty, organized, and physical, and, and 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 trying just to break us down is going to be difficult. And then you have the, we're just going to be faster than you. We might miss ten chances on goal, but we'll get twelve, and we'll win two one. You know what I mean? So um, I think every region has those states that make it up. I think back to like, uh, region three. Um, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, South Texas. Um, great. I think as far as maybe having, you know, I think Georgia is a little bit more athletically based. I think Florida has some, some technical teams, North Carolina, same thing. Texas has just got all around package, but like coming out here, um, there's certainly like the state that I'm most impressed with. I mean, I think Colorado is a really good job and working on the ODP stuff. It's been fun to see the setup, but Utah isn't, unbelievable state to check out as far as just like not as many people as similar sized people as uh as Colorado but the the makeup of what they're able to do um and I think it's because everyone's kind of condensed and, and everybody's um in, in a smaller area where it's not as, as stretched out as you know the northeast where you have you know you could be 10 miles you could be in a new state right (laughs) so everybody's kind of compact and staying in there but um yeah i mean the the washington's got some some great soccer um portland oregon fantastic area as well um so yeah
0: you've gotten to go to
2: alaska i've been to alaska um to be a hundred percent fair to the alaskans that is um soccer they they if you talk about a state that's spread out. If they had things condensed in Alaska, they have some amazing athletes and some really talented players um, in Alaska. But the problem is that you got, you know, they're just too stretched. Um, their ODP teams are pretty solid, but they get a chance to train for about a, a three sessions and then they go play against everybody else. But um, no, I, I would say that um, each region has its makeup. I'd I say overall, I think the, the quality in the, in the West is pretty high. Um, but I do think that Similar where you go, you're going to have your states that are that specialize, or your clubs that specialize in different areas of it.
0: Nice. So, um, where where did you, in general, get started in coaching soccer? Uh, you, you started. I mean, you, you grew up in North Carolina. Yep. Uh, you're a big Tar Heels fan.
2: Small small percentage of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Where where did you where did you start your coaching soccer
2: career? Um yeah, so um I grew up just outside of Raleigh. Um so in the Triangle area. Um lifelong Carolina fan. Uh my dad played basketball there. My grandfather went there. All my family pretty much went there. I didn't uh just because I wanted to play and obviously it was not good enough to play at North Carolina. Um but uh no my uh, my uncle um is just retired last year, but was the women's assistant at the University of North Carolina and, um, was there from the beginning with, um, Anson Dorrance. Um, his name's Billy Paldino. Um, and my first summer of graduate or coming home from college after my freshman year, he just said, Hey, you want to come work some soccer camps and I can pay you about 300 bucks a week and you can hang out in Chapel Hill for the summer. And to me, that was fantastic. So, um, jumped on it. Um, just started coaching just to make some money and everyone loves getting some free gear. Right. Who, who, who's the guy that likes a t-shirt? Is that, (laughs) Dwayne, I'm I'm working on the t-shirt, man. I've been paying attention on the podcast. I'm working on one for you. Um, But uh, free gear, right. Nike stuff and Carolina colors and Carolina logos and hang out in Franklin street at night after you get done working camp. And so um, now and then after, the next summer I think is when I started to kind of really look at it as looking forward to working camp and excited about working camp and talk about a culture, um, for coaches that, that Anson and, and, and Billy have done. That's amazing. I mean, so leading into, um, that was a former player of theirs, um, who got involved in in the coaching game at the collegiate level. Um, timing wise when I graduated from college, um, I was looking for a, a, a GA position. I was, I did, was pursuing education, um, decided to just get a history degree, and um, maybe look to get a either a master's in history or eventually, if I wanted to teach, I could just get a teaching certificate and finish that out. And um, was looking for a GA position, and the position was just a full time assistant at a school called Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, Amy Kaya, who was uh, the former player at UNC and um, one of my very good friends now, um, needed an assistant. Didn't pay very much money, <laughs> but uh, they needed someone to come in. And um, you know, I, I kind of took that as the first real job coaching, um, which is crazy to think about your first real job being at that. But um, it was, yeah. I mean, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at twenty one, twenty two, and I just fell in love with it. Um, started coaching club. Um, continue to work, you know, tons of camps and stuff at different universities. And then eventually got out of the college game full time into club. But um, yeah, my intro was just working some camps and trying to make some money and fell in love with it.
0: That's awesome. Um, What other jobs have you maybe had outside of coaching soccer? is the
2: question I was looking forward to most when I saw the, uh, the questions come out. That's awesome. Um, Oh man. I, I might not know
0: the answer to this question.
2: I know. I don't know if I've. So um, I'd like to say being a busboy at Outback Steakhouse, um, back when Outback was still like the primo steak place consistently, I think Outback's quality and reputations dropped a little bit. I don't think it's coincidental with me stepping away from working there, but um, <laughs> if there's something. I, I was a, a busboy. I, I uh, my dad's a high school teacher. And one of the teachers at my high school, her sister was the manager uh, at the Outback in Wilmington. And I transferred to UNCW my sophomore year and I needed a job. And I guess coincidentally, my dad said something about it. And this lady, uh, my anatomy teacher, her sister was the manager. So I got a job being a busboy. And, um, you know, but most people think there's a negative connotation with the busboy job. It doesn't sound like an appealing job when you could be a waiter, especially at Outback. There was a, there was a hierarchy of social classes and the bus boys were definitely down at the very bottom. So, um, but I loved it. I, it was great. I didn't have to wear the button down shirt. Um, memorize anything. No, didn't have to memorize anything. Didn't have to put those stupid pens. Uh, it made me think of, uh, what was that? Bennett, what was that the restaurant. The hell this like people had to wear all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so Did you have Fridays, DJ Fridays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You didn't have to look like one of those guys. I mean, they might've made a lot more money than me, but, I still had a little bit of dignity that was wearing my t-shirt. Um, but, uh, and actually believe it or not now, um, I, I had cut my hair. I had really long hair in college and, uh, you couldn't have, like, you had to look, you know, you had to look nice working there. So I just was the bus boy, never moved up two and a half years. I had a, had a run there, but I will say my, my favorite job I had outside was, um, for six weeks, I was a construction, I was involved in construction and, um, I know Dwayne and Dan might know Sebastian a little better. We are both not very handy people. Um, so I did not get, I did not get that from my dad. I don't think my dad got it from his dad. Um, so my best friends, both are now architects, one's in New York and one's in Raleigh. And the first summer we came home, which is when I started doing the soccer camps because I needed another job because we'll get to that part. But, um, I, uh, they were going to be framers and work out in construction, and they say, "Hey, man, you want to jump on? We're going to make uh, you know $15 an hour or whatever it was. Cash. We'll be outside. It'll be great." So I said, yeah, "Sure, that'd be cool. It'd be a lot of fun." And uh, we show up. We go to this guy's house. Typical construction foreman, kind of like you we know, just, "Hey, here's some guys are coming to work." And the guy looked at us and he goes, "I thought there was supposed to be two of you. What's up with this other guy?" And of course, <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I'll be ha- I'm heading home, guys. And he goes, hold on a second, I can get you a job. So he calls somebody. I wasn't doing construction. I was now inside doing crown molding and baseboards, which are, that's like, that's like high level construction. Like you have to be really talented and not bad at your job and good with your hands. And I'm <laughs> brand new to it. So I worked for this Italian guy named Dwayne. Named and uh, he was, uh, he smoked about two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. Um, and he asked me, the first thing he said is, are you 18? And I was thinking, why in the world? Is, why does he ask me if I'm 18? Like, of course, we can all think of something else. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, do I have to drive like a bus or something? You, know, you can buy me cigarettes. And I was like, okay. So, um, he found out how bad I was with my hands. he said a lot of words I can't repeat on the podcast. Um, but I got fired. Um, and coincidentally, that was the summer of the 2002 world cup. US was playing Mexico in the quarterfinal. And I left to go to work. I came home. And my mom was like, why are you home already? And I said, I got fired. And she goes, Oh, are you okay? You want to talk about it? And I was like, No, I don't want to talk about it. It's okay. The game's on. And it was it was absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me. I had to I think my dad still has the tool belt. I had to buy a tool belt. My dad kept it. Um, yeah, I was a miserable construction worker. Six weeks. I, got, I did get one week. He was a nice guy. He gave me a one-week extra pay since he, uh, since he canned me a little earlier than expected. So. He felt bad for you? Yeah. It, and it, the last thing he said was, Filsey, some people belong working in construction. You need to stay in school. And <laughs> I was like, all right, man, right on. So.
0: <laughs> Life lessons. Yes. Yep. From Duane yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that's great uh and knowing your parents i could imagine what that especially with your mom that would have been a fun conversation to
2: uh yeah i that was a great game that day too so us mexico that was a good one but uh yeah no it i i'm I'm glad that i uh again i got i wasn't going to be able to work the camps if i had my construction job so it kind of all comes full circle so it worked out
0: there you go i could have
2: been building houses right now instead of coaching soccer
0: I don't know if I would have lived in that house, but you could have. Uh, (laughs) uh, And and we're going to take this time to give a big shout out to Bill and Joy Brown, who are two amazing people in general. They're good people. They're good people. All right, um, who are your three favorite soccer players?
2: I mean, I I got I got two lists. I knew Dan. I didn't know if Dan would be on here. I know he has a, a strong passion for Arsenal. After listening to the last podcast. right no that was
0: Anthony. That was Anthony.
2: Oh Anthony. Okay. Sorry. Well this is for Anthony if he's listening. I'm gonna go with three only Arsenal players and then I'll have a non Arsenal list. Um but these probably these two of these three would would still be on my top three. Um Dennis Burkamp, Thierry Henry, and uh I'm gonna go with a new one just because it's not a bomb yang. I'm gonna go with uh Bakayu Saka. I think uh as an Arsenal fan, Dennis Bergkamp was the reason that 98 World Cup – sorry, Sebastian, that goal against Argentina still. That's when I fell in love with Dennis Bergkamp and uh, started being an Arsenal fan because that was the only way you can continue to watch him. Uh, and then, obviously, Henri's the greatest Arsenal player that we had, so stay true to that. And then I still think in a short time, so we might archive this podcast and find out that Bakayu Saka was a complete bust – but uh, just judging from what that guy's done this past year uh, at the age that he is, um, I think he's the next, the next great. So uh, I think we're I- going to put
0: him, I think we're going to start our, our own list. We're going to start uh, the soccer podcast list of young players to watch. He's going to be on there along with Ricky Pooch and Brendan Aronson. Oh, funny.
2: You guys, you, you, you union guys are getting a chance to watch a really quality player there. Um, I, I I really enjoy watching the MLS's back tournament and watching him play. I've been – hey, I've been to a game. I've been to – is it PPL? Is that what it's called?
3: What's Not anymore.
2: Mark, no. Oh, man. See, that, that dated myself right there, PPL. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, it's that's a, that's a quality player. Uh, I would say that the one player that, um, that I, I genuinely think uh, – I try to think of some other ones that maybe people just, again, appreciation, um, MLS – I really like Kellen Acosta. I think he's a, a fantastic player. Now he plays for the Rapids, which we don't get a lot of joy in, in, in as being Rapids fans. These What a game. great last name. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> you, get, you know, you guys are similar styles in your game, you know, you and him. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, that, I would say that was the one guy I, I do enjoy uh, trying to give, a again, a, a, a team I support. So, Who
0: are – and then those are the other two. And then you add Henri and Bergkamp,
2: right? Henri Bergkamp. And then I'll say, I'll just say Osaka. Uh, I'll go with him. Perfect. Fantastic. Just to make sure no one gets, no one's gonna say Kellen Acosta either. But it's all right. No, I don't. Maybe, you might be the
3: only one. Hey, he he fell off the radar. man. the kid's a baller. Yep, yeah. I I, I just
2: think that when we were joking with it. Kelly and I were when when watching games with Aiden. Is I want him to be a left back because I feel like that's like the one position that no one. I go and play in adult leagues. And then people are like everyone's jumping in center midfield, striker, center back. back. No one's supposed to be a left back. And nowadays I tell kids this all the time. Like outside back in the modern game is the it's the new position you want to play. Like it's I don't know. But he's I mean he's not even
0: if you're gonna invest time time in anything, be a left back or a goalkeeper. It's true, it's true.
2: But now, just the, the versatility the guy has as well as, as young as he is. And you can just tell from the respect he has from the older players that, that there's something special there. So I'll go with
0: him. Perfect. And I think I know the answer to this question, but if you had to coach a different sport, what would it be? Oh man. You know, I don't know if you knew this. I
2: was uh, I was a tennis player growing up and actually my senior year was all state in tennis. Um, but I would, hated tennis (laughs) my dad my dad's a tennis player tennis pro uh played like uh, as far as still teaching lessons and those kind of things but um I hated tennis even though I played a lot of it um being five foot eight uh I would love to have been a basketball player but that certainly was not in my roots so um (laughs) basketball my my dad um was a high school basketball coach for 40 plus years and so I grew up in a gym that's probably the reason why you asked about how I got into coaching that opportunity was from you know the, the way I got into coaching, but growing up around my dad, um, and watching him and, and all that he did with coaching. Um so it would be basketball. Um, love it. Um even though Royal Williams has won three national championships, I think I probably could have done a couple of different things that could maybe won us, you know two more in those times. Uh just kidding. <laughs> He's a Hall of Fame coach. Uh no I love it. I love basketball. Um that's the one thing that I think that uh I think it's a, it's a, it's a great team sport. Um, it's really enjoyable. I think from it's, it's great transitions into soccer from coaching perspectives. Um, I know I've had debates and talking, like even with my dad, like watching, watching defensive schemes in basketball, I've tried to incorporate like how and when and, and what you want to do in incorporating that into soccer and your coaching into taking that into soccer. Um, I don't know. I just think it's a, it's a fun sport. It's another one that's kind of a, a worldwide sport, too. I think that's the other yeah. part that's kind of cool about basketball is it's, you know, I think basketball and soccer are games for the people, which um, I think are really you know. They are.
0: I mean, they're really big. I mean, basketball is, is huge in Europe, huge in South America. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a really – Australia, team. Yeah. yeah Australia. They have a really good league in Australia. Yeah. But All right. Here we go.
2: Three five two or a four three three? I oh, mean, I stayed up all night thinking about this question. Um, what are you playing, Sebastian?
0: Uh,
3: my, this
2: is my answer. I'm going to go uh, not to be like the uh, anti system. I think a lot of people play a four three three, right? Yeah. So, um, and in the time I've coached, I've always, I've never had a set way or system that I've played. Um, I've changed it a lot. Um, You know, I think my favorite system would be a a 4-5-1, but i call it a 4-4-1-1. Diego Simeone, Atletico Madrid, I love that one when he played against Barcelona and Real and all that. Uh, But, no, I would say 3-5-2 just because I think most people in America or most people you come across are probably going to play a a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2, so I think a 3-5-2. Um, I just like that side of the game that 's my part that I enjoy the most is just trying to find little tactical uh changes that you can make in areas in the field that you can highlight in different systems so I would say three five two but I would probably play like a three one four two that was that was that no, was a joke that was a joke <laughs> and kelly Kelly tried to tell me to take to take that one too so since he liked that so. uh
0: yeah, I mean uh I started the weekend in a three five two and uh, by the last game, we were in a 4 four five one. So, uh, but the players, the players, the feedback that I got from my OI girls was, we like to play with two forwards. We don't want to play with one. We want to play I with think,
2: two. As, and I think that's like um, there's a great book out there called Inverting the Pyramid, which is just going through all the systems and where where the game is gone. And um, you know, I I like that side of it. Um, I had a boys' team um, a couple of years ago, and in our state cup final we played something completely different because we felt like it was going to give us the best chance against a team that was a little bit better than us. And so, you know, I think tactics and systems, um, they're going to change in the game. It's more about roles or areas of the field that you take up. Um, If you have have three people that can play in the back in a a three back, and like you said, you can play an extra forward, Um, you want to take those chances. And and players want to play in those systems. No one one enjoys playing. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think many people enjoy playing in a defensive minded system. Um, yeah. But, but I think that's kind of knowing your players and knowing their strengths and um, what they want to, what, what the game calls for too. So.
0: Yeah, it's true. All right. You
2: got five so two, four- two forward systems are back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that I mean, you're starting to see a little bit more with it now, whether that's um, tactical changes in different thirds of the field, build out phase, in the middle third phase, what what teams are doing? You're starting to see a lot more, um, a lot more emphasis on two forwards going forward, and, and just what areas you're trying to highlight. So
0: I think that's kind of where the game. Well, is and if you're gonna if you're going to force if we're gonna see more more systems with two forwards, then you're ultimately going to see more systems with three backs instead of four backs. Yep, because that's ultimately yep. why the three five two or why the three back system exists is to counteract the the two forward system where the four three three was to counteract the four back system was to counteract a four three three. Always have one defensive always have one player up. Dwayne what would you go with? Three five two or four three three?
3: Four three three. Sebastian left me in a three five two for a game and uh went pretty bad. So I'm going with four three three to be safe. I didn't
0: leave you you started
3: the game by yourself. Yeah, he, he's like, "Oh yeah, do a three five 2 We were going over the starting lineup, and within five minutes, four three three. So, we're the trends change. We're in a four three three probably this season. Next season, we'll see.
0: Now, granted, you started in a you started that game in a three five two, and what happened a minute into the game?
3: I scored. There you go. What happened two minutes into the game?
0: Wow, well, that's that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, you got five minutes left in the game. Your team is up 1-0. Do you go for that second goal or do you park that bus?
2: Oh, no question. I'm parking the bus five minutes into the game if I go up 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne, with fields, you,
0: you <laughs> wouldn't have gotten scored on.
2: No, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, I think that's – I had this argument with someone before. Our discussion shouldn't say argument. Would you rather win 1-0 or 5-4, right? and um, I personally just the, the clean sheet and and the ability to hold someone off the board is that's, I love that. And so I don't know, I think, you know, especially as kids get older, um, you know, I think that, that there's more pride in, in, in being able to keep people scoreless. And, and I think it's, you know, a lot of times it says what you've been able to do with your possession or with your pressing or with your organization. So, uh, yeah, no, I would definitely part the bus. Um, but funny story is uh, the last, I guess I kind of said earlier, I had two U nineteen or two, you know, U eighteen, U nineteen boys and girls, and um, the girls' group was uh, a very talented group. We're in national league, and two straight years went to regionals and stuff, and um, won a one regional league. And um, but <laughs> they were we were really good. We in in winning games one nil. And, uh, they, they didn't like that. I don't think they, they probably wanted to think they could score, but playing the competition we were playing one nil was, I mean, I got made me happy, right. You got yeah. a win and you didn't give away a goal. Um, I think we ended the league with like a plus two goal difference in like down like third or fourth place had like plus eight. So it tells you, <laughs> tells you kind of what the focus was. And then I had a boys team, um, same way I mentioned before, um, you know, when, uh, we win a, a State Cup final four three. Um after being up three nil and four one. Um I guess we changed, I don't know what happened, we gave away some goals, but um gave away tons of goals, right? I mean you said they're all over the place. But um I, I pride myself on not not conceding. I think that's a that's a focus there. So one nil definitely.
0: Perfect.
3: I think we all got to right. change this question to like if you're up two one with five minutes left in the game, what are you gonna do? So that just adds a different dynamic to it because if you get scored on. So, moving on to the Champions League, uh, wow, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> I think I texted Fields those exact three letters, <laughs> uh, for both games because they were they were such. I think it. I think, as much as I've enjoyed the MLS's backest tournament, and we'll talk about Portland winning that in a second, but as much as I've enjoyed all that, I think. I somewhat feel like soccer started again. I feel like I feel like football's back. Uh, the, I I got that feeling back of, uh, and I'm looking forward to the Barcelona game today. Uh, I'm really excited for that game. But overall, I mean, the fact that PSG with minutes left, with with like three or four minutes left in the game, goes and turns it around and then wins it, and Atalanta who. Uh, was the underdog the cinderella story along with with leipzig um now are so they're out and but i mean it was it was somewhat i, I felt like it was gonna happen um it was shocking because they were up on nothing and it didn't look like neymar was gonna get his goal uh but kilian mbappe came in and did something that nobody expected. I mean, I guess you could have expected it, but considering he was in an ankle injury and was limited to 30 minutes a game, I didn't think he was going to come on and, and be that dynamic. Um, I could have just imagined what it would have looked like if he was in full he- full strength, full health uh, from the first minute of the game. Now, granted, at that point, the game probably should have been 3-2, three, 3-3. Three, three.
3: Yeah, Neymar should have definitely had his fair share of
0: yeah, but at the same time, Keylor Navas makes two ridiculously good saves early on in the game as well to make sure that, you know, talk about the clean sheet, he was he was, he was fantastic, and obviously comes off with an injury. Um, do you think Neymar was that amazing, or is it because we haven't seen him really at this stage? do that that we feel like he's that he was that amazing
3: I think that, I think with all the money they've got pumped into that club they shouldn't be they should be cruising like we should expect that from Neymar but that amount of money he's getting paid is not of money he's worth we should expect that every single game out of Neymar
0: so does it downplay what he did in that game
3: I think it just it doesn't downplay but I think it kind of puts you on alert as to, like, why are they battling against the Atalanta side? Now, granted, they haven't played a season, or they didn't have as much of a restart, which could be part of it, but it's like, why is Neymar, one of the biggest players in the world, struggling against the Atalanta side that he out-earns himself?
0: Well, I don't know if he struggles with it. I think he he struggled in the final third. I think he couldn't finish. I think everything else you could have put cones on the field and it would have been the same thing to him. I mean, the the way he dribbled and and just went around players, like they were almost not even there was, was impressive. But I think the hard part is there was, there was always been that comparison of like, is Neymar the next Messi to a certain extent? Is he the next one to, obviously when they played alongside each other, that was a constant battle or the constant question. And I, I was hearing something, somebody talk about this yesterday and go, well, Messi's had like a hundred of those games already, you know. Messi's got those that kind of performance, and Neymar just hasn't had that, which is why it's somewhat shocking when you see him do it. Because you've seen him do it in the, you've seen him do it in the, in, in the French league, which,
1: it,
0: you know, seventy percent of those games are five nothing, four nothing, three nothing. That, I mean, and you see him do it, and it's great when he does it against uh, a second division team from Sweden in a friendly leading up to the Champions League and they went 8 nothing and he's like megging people and and doing rainbows and this and that but have we seen him do it at the biggest stage right at the World Cup he gets hurt um so then you know that at that level have we seen him do it and then i don't know i mean i think i think as it was i think it was impressive uh because i think he showed what he could potentially do if he was more consistent, but I don't know if the club that he's in is going to be able to provide him that opportunity.
3: They're missing like something on that team. And
0: a Cardi is to me, a overrated player that should, does not belong at that stage. That, that I don't, I think you could have put somebody else on that. I, I granted Di Maria couldn't play. He was serving a red card suspension, And Mbappe obviously limited to 30 minutes, but Icardi as a right winger was useless. And I know it's a mean word, but. I think, I think what I
2: agree, but look at the end of the game. I think it's something where, how, how old is Neymar? Like what's the difference in his age versus six? Yeah. You could see the difference at the end of the game, what that meant. And like, I don't know, watching that, um, have you guys watched Last Dance, Jordan, the documentary,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, I think it's kind of like what they were saying before with uh, with Jordan and in comparison him to Bird and Johnson was like, "Hey, you're you're always good, but your team never wins, right?" And I right. think that that's kind of, I think that was a kind of a a weight off of his back to finally get to that semifinal. You know, in that, that club in general. I mean, now that that's a really interesting. Uh, it could have been really interesting if it had been Atalanta and, and Leipzig, but now it's, a, it's an, one of those teams that's going to make a Champions League final. Um, and sure, it should be PSG, Dwayne's right. Like, I mean, the money they've put into that club is incredible. But I think at the end of the game, you could see how excited he was. And I think that maybe that he, he's Brazilian, right? It's kind of the stigma, like a little bit of a party scene, a little bit of yeah. a enjoy your soccer and enjoy your life and – you know, same kind of deal with Ronaldinho. Um, but I, I do think that he – you're right. they ne- He needs Mbappe because Mbappe is going to be able to do some things that, you know, he's not going to want to do or able to do or provide something different. I think they, the player I always love for them is Cavani. I know they got – obviously. But um, I think their manager's good. I think Tuchel does a good job. And, um, I don't know, I'd love to see like a PSG – city or psg bayern barca any of those three teams that potentially could come out of there i don't want to see an all french final there that would not be that would not be fun
0: <laughs> or what about a leipzig lyon final that would be a oh, man uh, there's a theory at the brown household that
2: um that the TV people always find a way to get at least they don't want they don't want to see Leipzig Leon. They're they're going to figure that one out. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be an interesting penalty call to make that sure that virtual that, one that
0: virtual fan party is not going to be the same. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <it. laughs> um, and then yesterday Leipzig beating Atletico Madrid, uh, it, and I think that's the. I think we saw an Atletico Madrid side that. Did not play, and, and Simeone and all the players said it right at the end. Like we just, they were better. They, I mean, at the end of the day, they were better. They were a better team. They, they ran more. They worked harder. They wanted it more than we did. And ultimately, that's kind of what it comes down to. Which, if you know, if you follow Simeone and what he wants out of Atletico Madrid, the idea of somebody outworking him uh, or outworking his teams just probably doesn't compute you mean that you shouldn't be outworked you shouldn't be outran you shouldn't that shouldn't happen if you're an atletico madrid player uh and leipzig found a way to do it without timo werner who everybody was like well well he's not there anymore so you know that they're going to struggle they're not going to be able to score goals and you know the the first goal they scored is again uncharacteristic of a atletico madrid side to get header inside the box it was it was an interesting game um i'm intrigued to see what leipzig could do against the psg especially because their one center back is a monster and i think he's going to put in a tackle into neymar five minutes into the game and neymar and neymar going to run the other way
3: um uh-huh.
2: talk about a club like them though like I saw something the they've only been around as a club for like 11 years or something
0: like that 2009
2: yeah, that's insane that but what now I was also reading this is a while ago but just like some the business model for them is buy really young talented players maybe pay a little bit more for them and then the money you're able to sell them at is going to be higher so they're they're a selling club but it, just the fact that what they've been able to do and the success they've had in that short period of time is, is absolutely incredible. Like you almost kind of wish it would have been either them or Atlanta, just because one of those teams would have made a final, which would have been a really cool kind of story. But that, that to me is says a lot about
0: the same model. It's the same model as an Ajax or a Dortmund to a certain extent, the idea that you are ultimately getting them really young and going to sell them to somebody that's going to, probably reap more benefits than you did at some point, you know, and, and we saw with Ajax. Ajax makes the Champions League final and then the next year. Can't the get gone. Yeah. So. Well, Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> That's true, Dan. Let's not forget that. And, and apparently semi-final berths. There you go. Um, I mean, listen, big shout out to Red Bull for, for owning what four or five soccer clubs around the country or around the world. Uh, You know, you got Salzburg, Leipzig, the New Red Bulls, and then you got one in Brazil. There's the Red Bulls in Brazil. So Salzburg was decent this year too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where
2: Jesse Marsh is, right?
3: Yeah. Yes. 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 The New York Red Bulls. Yeah.
0: So, speaking of the MLS, Portland beats Orlando two to one uh congratulations to portland uh, i think they were probably maybe the most consistent side across the entire tournament um in orlando obviously was was good too but i think they had some like last minute win things like that i mean portland had a little bit of that too but um i think portland's consistent i think portland's their season portland. they are they have a lot of experience um they they've been there before they have a lot of players that have won the MLS Cup before so um so it's a it's a good thing for them so and then the Europa League Manchester United against Sevilla is going to be a a cool match and that's Sunday I believe so that'll be that'll be cool i think it's that having Manchester United and Sevilla the Europa League is probably added way more uh way more people watching it probably and enter and enter and enter yeah Yeah, that's right yeah
2: going back to to portland though um talk about a manager that seems to get the most out of his players i mean savarese just seems like a guy that first of all i wouldn't want to see him in an an alley uh if you got a bad call of a referee (laughs) because he is intense but um I mean, just a, it seems like the just the post game. Every time they you know they advance in the knockout rounds, I mean, it seems like to be the guy in the middle of the dressing room enjoying it with his team, and it seems like the guys you know play for him, and he's got a lot of passion to him. So, kind of cool to see that um, sometimes in the uh, in the in the MLS or even in just people in general aren't exactly the most um, I don't know inspiring to their players. So it's kind yeah. of cool to see those guys get around him. So
0: for sure. All right, we're moving on to the player of the match award. All right, Dwayne, I'm going to give it to you first. I'm going to let you go first.
3: Tyler Adams. Put the team on his back. First American to score in a quarterfinal. Haters are going to say it was a deflection. But, hey, he did his thing. He's actually – like, he plays really well. Um, I don't know if his positions are right back or center defensive mid. I'm sure – from the national team, I'm sure that's going to continue to change, but give him my player the match award for putting his team through to the semis.
0: I heard uh, – I was watching the Spanish commentary for the game, and uh, the, the one guy said that may have been the most, uh, n- most important American goal outside of a national team. So I don't know if I agree with it or not, but it's, it was an interesting comment to make.
3: It's I, I would say it's big because when you look to like you look in the future of us obviously going to the next World Cup, you've got Pulisic who's been doing his thing. You look at Tyler Adams playing Champions League football and you know, you're kind of just setting the bar for more guys. You got Gio Reyna playing for Dortmund like you just look in this this next group of guys are coming in and doing the big things.
0: Yeah. Dan, do you have a player of the match?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Tyler Adams, but uh Dwayne beat me to it. I mean he did exactly what his coach said. His coach said, Go out, score the winning goal. And uh and he did. You know, he knew exactly what he was doing, playing it off the deflection, wrong footing the keeper, and it was was the plan. There's there's no way you can't tell me that, that German coach didn't have the whole thing calculated to a T. I mean that's <laughs> the German style.
0: <laughs> Speaking of the German coach, Uh, my player of the match is Julian Nagelsmann because uh, 33 years old uh, had to end his career when he was like 19 because of like injuries and things like that. Couldn't become a professional player becomes a coach. um, And just again, at 33 just takes this team and just makes them amazing. Uh, so yeah, my and, and he looks so cool when he's on the he's on the sideline. Like, I, I would never wear a suit in a game, but if I did, I would want to look like him. Um, Fields, who do you have as your player of the match?
2: Uh, you mentioned it earlier 30 minutes on the field, but I think Mbappe completely changed that game. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys remember the little like the spin turn he had. I think yeah. he ended up Get, make you know, like a bad touch trying to get it back on his left foot or something when he got in the box. But just his ability to completely change that game. And and I know uh obviously I think, you know, you look at it, Neymar gets the assist on the first one and then plays a great ball to Mbappe, who set up uh Chodin on the on the on the second goal. But um I don't know. I just I think that guy's really I think I texted you after. I don't think he's got anything to him as far as like He's not, he's something that I think that kids could potentially aspire for the, the brilliance and the elegance that, um, that Neymar has is really fun to watch, but not very many people have that. And I think he's kind of, he's kind of what, if, if Neymar is similar to where Messi could be as far as talent on the ball and creativity and flair, uh, or, you know, I don't know, flares are the right word, but like you look at Ronaldo and Mbappe, just physical, straightforward score goals, cause problems. I thought he was awesome to watch. And he just seems like a pretty, pretty cool guy too. He doesn't seem like he has the arrogance that
0: um, Ronaldo or Neymar yeah. have. So. <laughs> I heard somebody say exactly the same thing you said. If we're going to, if we could compare Neymar to Messi, then Mbappe would be compared to Ronaldo. And then they brought up, if mbappe would maybe not win the best player he maybe maybe at times might not ever be considered one of the best players in the world like messi or ronaldo but he might be considered one of the best forwards in the world which i think there's a distinct difference in that and i think i think you're right what he can do uh, i i don't I, I mean they put another as soon as mbappe comes on the atalanta coach puts on another defender just to counteract that on purpose. And what Tuchel does is he goes, you know what? Instead of going Neymar and Mbappe on opposite sides, I'm going to put Neymar and Mbappe on the same side and just let him go at this guy. Yeah. And poor Argentinian guy Palomino ended up on the on uh, on the on the bad end of that one. But uh, all
3: yeah, right. I'm not sure if Mbappe will never not be the best. He's like, what, 20, 21? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a long career. He's going to be... Yeah, he's already won a World Cup. He's going to be the best.
0: The question is, will he do it there, or will he do it somewhere else? That'll be the that'll be the next big question: is if he'll do it somewhere else, because that'll be interesting if he does go somewhere else.
3: If Real and Barcelona come calling, like, do you say no?
0: You could. I could see him in a city. Like, if you see him under Pep, he would. I don't know. I think yeah.
3: That'll be the city jersey I buy. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll jump on the bail wagon at that point to
2: puma you can't be buying puma jerseys man <laughs> that was the best thing arsenal did this year is not have that puma kit those things are oh man three stripe
0: life man man
2: three stripe life i mean i don't know i just that those were bad years even though we won a lot of, we won a couple of fa cups in it in the puma kits the puma kits just looked they just looked like This didn't look good. You know what I mean? Like, I want a kit. If I'm City, I went from having a class Nike kit to then having the next year looking like I was a variety pack of popsicles or something. That that thing was bad. That was a really bad kit. they are going to win Champions League and I'm going to be wearing a
0: a popsicle kit. You know? Uh, All right. So, for the On This Day in History, uh, August 14th. What's what's
2: the Fair Play Award? You didn't tell me about this.
0: Oh, we'll do this in a second. We'll do, this. We'll do, it. We'll do it in a second. Yeah, 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 we'll do it in a second. All right. So on this day in soccer history. So not a lot happened in August 14th of uh, any other year. Just because in general, we're in the summer. Season. So not, 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 yeah, season hasn't started. Um, so uh, I'm gonna I'm going to give you, we're going to do birthdays. So four players I found that were born on this day. And I'm just going to give you their last names, and I'm going to see if you, A, know who they are, and we'll do a trivia question to see if you know how old they are. So we're going to go, we're going to go youngest to oldest. All right? So I'm going to give you a last name, Herrera.
3: Oh, um, Andres? Andres. Andres, the guy that played for Man United, right? Yep, plays at PSG.
0: Do you know, want to know
3: how old he is today?
0: 31. 31, correct. Hey. Field. I was coming to Fields is on it.
2: All right. Chiellini. As a 30-year-old, I knew that one. I got that one.
0: Killini, <laughs>
3: uh, Giorgio. Giorgio. That's right. How old? 37? 52. <laughs> Not
0: 52, Dan. <Dave. laughs> He might look like he's fifty-two, though.
2: He's playing the Italian league. You can be fifty-two and still play. Yeah, he's like smoke that. cigarettes
1: at the same time, <laughs>
2: yeah. especially if you play at center back too. That's right. Uh, I think th- that if you get bit by uh, Suarez, you get an extra ten years on your life. He'll <laughs> play.
0: Uh, I'm gonna say thirty-nine. Nope. Man, you guys are making him sound really old. He's only thirty-five. He's thirty-five. I'm oh, sorry, thirty-six. He'll be. Th- he's thirty-six today. So he's easy on
3: public. He's been playing for 36 years.
0: <laughs> All right. Here here was here's the two hardest ones. I'm I'm counting on Fields and Dan to be able to get this one.
3: Oh crap. Pre pre 95 player.
0: Yeah. Uh <laughs> Borghetti. Julia.
2: Or George uh, Jordan Jord, uh, Jorge. Close. It starts with a J, right?
0: It does. Damn. John, sorry, Jared, oh, Jared. However, however you want to call it. All right. Where, where did he play? Where's he most famous for him? He was at Inter, wasn't he? Mm-mm.
2: Nope. He's, he's Argentinian, isn't he? He is not. He's not. I <laughs> thought for sure he was Argentinian. That's the only reason you brought him up.
0: <laughs> he is not. He actually played in the 2002 World Cup with for Mexico. Ah, huh. Yeah, played at Bolton Wanderers for a bit, but uh, played a lot at Santos. Yeah. So he is 47 today. And on the same year, so we'll give. I'm going to give you this, and this next player is also 47, Ococha. Yeah. Uh, JJ. Huh?
3: <laughs> JJ Ococha?
2: JJ Ococha. I'm gonna give you something. Name J.J. coach's nephew who plays for Everton,
0: formerly Arsenal. Um. I, oh, I know this one.
3: Six fingers.
0: Oh, I I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Um. He was injured for a long time, right?
2: Hmm.
1: Is he Some the what?
0: one? Is he the one? Not injured for a long time, though.
2: No. I mean. He was on the fray for Arsenal, and then he got sold to Everton last year. This time,
0: all right, you got to give it to me. I don't know, Alex Oxlby.
2: That's uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a coach's nephew. Mm,
0: okay, I was thinking of somebody else.
2: JJ Okocha has the best ever take on move in that '98 World Cup. That roll and then the step over. That one you gotta send that out to the Delaware Union kids. Get we that can. on the get that on the Footwork Friday or something, you know what I mean?
0: Perfect. We can Work, yeah. footwork, Friday. footwork Friday. Footwork Friday. Uh oh, Fields is giving us
2: uh I, hey, listen, I'm sharing I'm you're not in my region. I can share all my ideas. I'll send them out your direction. Social
3: Perfect. media challenge. Footwork Friday. <laughs> foot- oh, I like it.
0: I like it a lot. All right. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do a, a I guess Friday. in your videos.
3: Hashtag Footwork Friday.
0: I like that one. Yeah. All right, so fair play of the week award. I'm going to give mine to Diego Simeone just because his post-game conference, he flat out says we were outworked, outplayed. They were better. They were faster. That's why we lost. There's no excuses. We did everything we could, and they were just better. And to me, that takes humility, um, and that takes the ability to be humble to be able to – to own up to the fact that you lost in the quarterfinals of the Champions League because you got outworked when ultimately your entire part of the basis of what you're, you stand on at Atletico Madrid is the fact that you're just going to work harder. So uh, Simeone gets my my fair play of the week. Dwayne.
3: been waiting 25 years for PSG my whole life for PSG to make a semifinal. So... PSG gets my fair play. The club gets my fair play award. Um, took them 25 years to make it. $400 million on two players and some on some other players, some bad investments. But as a club, that's an accomplishment. You know, you kind of breaking down, broken down that wall. They were finally able to see the semifinals and kind of progress there.
0: Yeah. because guess if you got enough money, you can make it.
3: Well, money can't buy you everything, right? Apparently, it doesn't buy you Champions League semifinals every year.
0: That's true. <laughs> Fair enough. Daniel?
3: So, I
1: just read that um, the Philadelphia Union is signing or has signed Brennan Aronson's little brother, Paxton,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to a professional contract. So, I would like to give it to the Philadelphia Union as a whole or maybe it's Ernst Tanner. I'm not sure who's most responsible for it. But, you know, they've, they have said they're going to bring the homegrown players through the system, and, and I think this is another testament to, to that fact. Uh, so I think it, it's really cool that they're continuing to do that. Uh, I don't know if the, if the young man's last name has anything to do with it, but <laughs> Sebastian and I, we, uh, I don't know if you remember, but when we were up there on a visit, yep, we did meet him. Uh, very nice young man. You spoke previously about the culture that they've created, and I think he uh, he exemplified that. So I, I think it's very cool that Philadelphia Union have have gone ahead and signed another local kid. I think the Aronsons are from like 35, 40 minutes away from – Jersey. Um, from Philadelphia, just across the river. So it's cool that they're keeping it local. So yeah. um, my fair play award would go to the Philadelphia Union.
0: Nice.
2: Fields, you have one? got yeah, one. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Wolves and Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, tough week for Wolves um, in a matter of what, since the FA Cup final to last Thursday. Um, or, yeah, no. When were they? Tuesday. Monday? Tuesday? Monday. Tuesday. What whatever it was. was. They got knocked out of the, the Europa League quarterfinals. Um they were finished seventh, so they would have gotten the Europa League a chance again, but then Arsenal won, so I guess it knocked them out of that one, so they jumped into it. So, But I, th- I thought um, what Nuno's done there is really fun to watch, um, and uh, he actually defended Raul Jimenez pretty pretty well after the game, I guess, with missing the penalty, um, yeah. and, and basically said you can't blame that on him. Um, and I don't know if you saw, too, like I watched the last 50 minutes of it or so, but when he walked off, shook that opposing coach's hand. You could tell he was frustrated, but I think he probably held it together. And it's probably a, t- a tough way to go for a coach, but that team has been really interesting to watch and really fun to watch. And they're not a big club as far as what they're you know, competing with. And um, they've been really fun to, to, to see compete. So uh, it stinks for him, but I think his response to protect his players and, and immediately jump to their defense, especially in a, in a one-nil loss where a penalty could have made a difference. Um, yeah, but tough week too, and that, and those guys, they'll be right back where they are again. They'll be top, top half of the of the EPL, if not even higher than seventh next year. So uh, that was my my. Wolf. Nice,
0: I like it. Can we give a big shout out to the biggest Wolves fan we know? Oh, Chris Carroll. Chris Carroll. I oh, mean, if they were playing, if they were playing Man United
2: on Sunday, I had a, I have a Wolves jersey. I was going to dig out and put on just because I don't want to see United win, but. Uh, <laughs> Didn't get a chance to do that. So, yeah. Now, this Chris isn't Carroll. a
0: coincidence, but when 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 both you and I were in Knoxville, uh, Wolves were, were in the championship. And when we left Knoxville, Wolves came up. So True.
2: Know. We were also – I don't know if you knew this about the Knoxville Football Club. They were, for one year, were Wolves partners, American right, yeah. partners. Right before I that got was, there. I that was the year that they dropped from the Premier League into the championship. So, yeah. Uh, it wasn't as attractive as a partnership when everyone was like, "Who's this English team that we're partnered with?" They're not playing on the weekends, and no, they are—they're just in the championship now.
0: Yeah. So. Hey, but with technology now, you can watch all the championship. It's true, it's true.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, you got ESPN Plus. You can watch yeah. everything.
2: Are, are you getting money from ESPN Plus? Is that your <laughs> shout
0: out
3: to our sponsors.
0: <laughs> our marketing and analytics team has not come through with the ESPN Plus money yet. Uh, we're working on it. We're, uh, I think, I to be honest with you, it probably ESPN Plus. Probably some more, more football fans uh, sign up just to watch Bielsa and Leeds this yep. year, just to watch their entire season. So uh, I have a feeling that you know some of those memberships might be going down next year. Now that Bielsa's in the EPL, so uh, yeah. All right, so we're getting towards the end of the the podcast now. So, Fields, we want to thank you again for coming. Uh, it's been a fantastic time to have you on. Uh, we want to have you on again. So, anytime you want to come back on, we will kick Dan off and let you in. Uh, so I'm down.
3: <laughs>
0: Actually, yeah. we're going to leave Dan in. We're going to kick Dwayne off. Like... Or it might just be the four of us and not let Anthony come back on.
2: I'll just, uh, maybe we can have five and I'll just, you know, whenever you need it. But uh, I, I want to say thanks for having me. Um, it's been really fun getting to know Dan Dwayne and uh, as I try to plan a trip once the world calms down a little bit back out of Delaware. I was there last year for, for a weekend and hang out with Sebastian and the family. So I uh, definitely want to get a chance to see you guys in person. And um, and also want to say like just, uh, you know, thanks to to, to having, having me on, but um, also Good friend of mine still it was on the show previously as well uh, with Mike Baracaro at yep. UD, a uh, good friend I knew from college days, uh, coaching days uh, down in the Southeast. So um, Delaware's in good hands with the three of you guys and, and Mike B. So uh, thanks for having me on there.
0: No, I appreciate that. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Delaware Union. Check us out on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer. Follow us on Twitter at D Union Soccer. And also check out Fields' Club, FC Boulder. Uh, they have a lot of really cool stuff on their website. Uh, Fields, you want to give out your Twitter handle uh, if people want to follow you?
2: Yeah, I think it's just Fields Brown One. It is. That's it. I don't know why the one's in there. I don't think there's maybe Fields Browns out there, but.
3: <laughs> I'm good. So, see Fields Browns uh, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> there
2: you go. I, I went ahead and got those just so if anybody else wanted them or if I had. <laughs> Or if I had four more sons, I wanted to name them all after me. I could just reserve their Twitter
0: handles for them. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.